So good to see you, friends. It's so great to be together. Welcome. Uh, hey, if you're new or fairly new, we just wanted to say hello. Um, uh, if we haven't met, my name is Drew. I'd love, I would love to meet you after the gathering if we have not met. But as well, if you're newer and you have not filled out, we have a digital connect card at the back of the room. And if you fill that out, that'll just keep you in the absolutely no pressure. We won't call you at dinner time. Who makes calls now anyways? Anybody? Use the phone. Nobody uses the phone anyways. It's all good. Um, but we won't call you dinner time. But what we will do is keep you in the loop with some of the things that are going on. And if you fill that out, what we do is we just make a small donation to our friends at Mission Services here in London. They do a phenomenal work, just uh, ministry and work here in the city. And we love them. And so for you being with us and filling that out, we just want to say thank you. And so we'll make a, a donation that way, which is fantastic. Everybody doing okay? You doing okay? Um, last weekend was so great. Um, we did not have a gathering here on Sunday on Thanksgiving, but we did have a long table, and it was so much fun. And uh, a lot of you showed up, which is great. And the cool thing is, is we're already looking ahead to next year, and some of the things, we feel like this will be a staple event uh, year to year in, in the rhythm of our church. And just the kids, the, just the fun. It was so much fun. So if you didn't make it, we're going to plan already for the Friday night of every Thanksgiving weekend to just uh, do this together. Sound good? So thrilled you're here. You're like, this is different. There's people sitting on stools. Yes, there is. Um, we're in a series right now called From Redemption to Recycling. And if you've been around, uh, basically what we've been trying to do this fall is just look at some common, important questions in our cultural moment and tackle them. We've just felt over the last year or so that as I have coffee and lunches and hang out with people, that a lot of people have questions about certain things that the church doesn't tend to talk about a lot. And we've said, we just kind of want to put everything under the microscope and go topic by topic. And so we've been using our Sunday morning gatherings along with a midweek podcast to deal with all sorts of things. So far, we've talked about hell and judgment. We've talked about social justice and should that be controversial. A couple weeks ago, we talked about creation and evolution and science and how does this all work together. And so you can go back and listen. There's lots of stuff there. On midweek this week, we dropped a little talk on politics and power, uh, because if you don't know, tomorrow is the federal election. We're going to pray for our country at the end of the gathering. So we took some time to talk about politics and power and how the church stewards power. How do we do this in a world where Jesus se seemed to come and give everything up? And how do we live in the tension of that? And so this month, what we're doing is we are looking at what a guy named Richard Foster would say is the gods of our day. He calls the gods or the things that we worship in our current moment, three things he says are sex, money, and power. So we've talked about power. Today we have some beautiful people that are going to lead us through a little bit of a discussion around finances, finances and financial stewardship. I was worried which topic you were going to Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Today is a sex morning. Today is a sex morning. Nate, over to you. He's sweating. I He's like, kids. I think, I think in the thread, I was supposed to talk about my job, but uh, it's all good. Well, you're being fruitful right now. That's good. It's good. Yeah, it's good times. Just saying. I have done my part for society. Okay, it's good. Um, so we've talked about power. 
these guys are going to lead us in a second through some talk around finances. And then next week, we have a really important talk around sexual formation, which I think is going to be really, uh, really good as we discuss these things. And then we have a few other things like creation care. There's lots we're going to touch in November. So thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, just really excited to utilize this space in time. And then as well, utilize some things midweek for those of you that, that want to go a little deeper. And in that, we give recommended reading and stuff that you can grow in. And just leave, every, everything here is an invitation and want to leave that with you. Now, these guys are here, I want to take two seconds, if it's all right, to make one kind of theological point, because these guys are here um, this morning to lead us through the nuts and bolts of the practicals around financial stewardship. I just began to rub shoulders with these beautiful people and realized that for even the size of our community, we have some brilliant people in our own church that I think can really help us, way above my pay grade, to help us with some of the things in, as we look forward in our lives around money. I'll just say this, Jesus talked a lot about money, like 25% of his teachings, most scholars think were about money. And pr at Praxis Church, and over the years, even at City View, it's probably been about 0.5% that we've talked about it. We don't pass a bucket here. We don't, honestly, partly I knew we were planting in a pretty post-Christian world. I also knew that, you know, as a younger community, we all have, some of you already trying to turn off here because you think of church and money and you think of the guy on TV with the white coat and filling up his jet and all that kind of stuff. And so there's, I get it, there's barriers. But Jesus talked about it a bit. I want to make one point, and it's this. In the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, it's going to be up on the screen. Jesus says this, and this is infamous. We know this if you've been around the church for a while. Jesus says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures where? In heaven, where moths and vermins do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The one thing I want to say about this that's really important is that sometimes in evangelicalism, we think of heaven as something far off or something in the future. When Jesus is talking here, it's Matthew that's writing this book. And Matthew writes this gospel of Jesus, and Matthew is writing his particular biography of Jesus to very devout Jewish people. These people were so devout that they would not write the name of God on a piece of paper. So like in English, it would be like G-D. The name of God, the name of Yahweh was so sacred, they wouldn't even write it out. So what Matthew has to do is instead of using God, he talks about the kingdom of heaven. Heaven is interchangeable with God. The problem the moment we're in right now a little bit is when people think of heaven, they think of a far off place. And what Jesus is saying here is that we're to store up our treasure in God. And that may be in the future, but that's actually storing up our treasure in God in the here and now. Matthew wasn't necessarily thinking of some far off plate. You know, we think of platonic stuff with heaven, the Philadelphia cream cheese lady sitting on clouds, you know, like disembodied. That's not how this works. And I just want us to be reminded that it's the here and now that God wants us to store our stuff up in. So I'm excited about this morning. Now, we are going to do some theological work. So this week, we are going to, these guys are going to lead our conversation here in a couple of seconds. This week, we're also going to offer some things and teachings that will help us. On Tuesday, we're going to release a teaching by a guy named Randy Elkhorn on the podcast. Randy's amazing. He has written a little book a number of years ago called The Treasure Principle, which radically changed my life when it came to generosity. 
It's an hour long, and I, if you want to go deeper, I would really press in and listen to this. He's awesome at the things that he shares around this and being generous people. It's really, really great. Then Wednesday, here's the common question I get is, should I tithe? And people ask us all the time, we'll tackle that on Wednesday, talk a little bit, because you're like, I'm not an ancient nomad, like I'm not an ancient Israelite wandering in the desert, right? I'm not under the Old Testament law. Do I have to tithe? How does this all work together? We'll just talk for a few minutes about that. And then on Thursday, we're just going to do a little one on simplicity and generosity. Simplicity and generosity. We have a heart, because of how we've set this thing up, to be one of the most generous communities ever. We have visions and plans because of being in rented facilities and not having huge budgets that we could be really generous people, but it's gonna take a level of simplicity in our lives to live countercultural to the people around us, and those two things go together. So we'll talk a little bit about the church, our vision here, and we're not shaking your pockets, there's no obligation, just listen in, have a little grace. Sound good? But we'll cultivate this deeper. Now, with today, I'm just so thrilled these guys are here. Um, the common thing as I've rubbed shoulders with these guys is that the common thing, and they don't say it arrogantly, um, and especially one on the panel, she would say this often, that a lot of times people aren't very educated with money. And that is true. I think the last time we did a teaching on money, I think Canadian consumers do like $1.5 spent for every $1 earned or whatever it is. And so we live in a moment where there's tons of things that we need to talk through practically. I was even in the car yesterday. Tim Hortons has these things called hockey cards. You know this? Okay, so I have two boys in the back. One has 11 cards. The other one has one, and it's red. And apparently the red one is like the collector one that you, you know, there's only a few out there. And so Levi wanted it bad. And he wanted to trade 11 cards for the one red card. And I just, from the front, he said, what do you think about that, Dad? I said, just be smart. And he didn't end up, I think he got him down to five or something, which is great. So I helped in that, which is great, in that trade. But I often think about our community, we want to be wise and smart around these things. And so each of these guys up here, guys and gals, have their own story. And I'm really excited. So why don't you guys just go through quick, share, uh, share first of all, who you are, a little bit about your family, and how you got involved in your line of work. Why don't you start, Nate, and just go to the outside. That's great. Yeah, um, my name is Nate. Um, I have a wife and two kids, a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. Um, I got into finance, um, I, so I do music as well. You've probably seen me up here before. Um, during high school years, I was not really sure what my long-term career was going to be. Music was always a thing, but um, thinking back, I realized how prominent it was that I actually did like working with numbers a lot, and I actually had, I remember now, um, a handful of times people would come ask me, hey, can you help me do a, do a budget? And uh, I enjoyed that. And thinking back, I'm like, why, why wasn't that clear to me that this was something I was good at? But uh, so basically after the whole band thing that I did for a while wrapped up, um, God made it very clear to me that, you know, helping people with their finances what was what I was made to do. So uh, kind of as soon as I transitioned into that, it just felt perfectly right. Uh, you know, my, I always say that my scores in high school were like, 60s, except for math and music, was like 95 to 99. So um, it was clear to me what I was good at and whatnot. So awesome. Uh, that's and Nate and Alicia, like Nate's a part of our lead team, has been a huge part of the transition to Praxis. We're so thankful for you guys. Cook the turkey for last Friday. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. So one of the two. One of the two. Okay. Half, half the turkey. And um, Alicia is leading right now in our junior high. Just amazing people. So working in gifts. Kareen. Kareen and Jeff are just awesome. Been such a blessing. Just share a little bit about yourself. I 
will. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. My name is Corrine Whitney, and uh, we have four children, none of whom you've met because they all live out west. Um, it's a bit of a long story. I'm not going to go there, but I'll, I will tell you why I got involved in this industry. I was a stay-at-home mom for 10 years because I have an amazing husband, and we were blessed to be able to do that. Um, but we Jeff is the bomb, by the way. You need to get to know him. He's the, he's the best. He really is. I am a super blessed woman, yeah. and I tell him all the time and embarrass him by telling him that. Um, we, uh, yeah, I was home for 10 years with the kids, but we did live paycheck to paycheck like so many families, even though he made pretty decent money. And it, it finally just got to the point, quite honestly, it was a little piece of paper called a T4. Anybody know what those are? It tells you one thing. It's your income. What else does it tell you? How much what you paid? Taxes. And uh, I'm usually a pretty nice lady. Yeah, Drew? Not that day. <laughs> this particular day was, was that one of those moments in your life where you go, I, we need to make a change. Um, because he'd paid half his income to the government that year, and we're talking 50 grand. And so I, I just realized, my gosh, how do we make this much money, but we're still living paycheck to paycheck? And we didn't live fancy lives. We had four kids. But <laughs> Come right? on, somebody. Right? You know, Drew. So I, I just took it upon myself that I wanted to learn some things about money. And I happened to have a girlfriend that worked in the industry. This was not my go-to, Nate. Not even close. <laughs> but the more I learned and the more I saw the need, I thought, my gosh, everyone I know is in the exact same boat as us, making great money, having no idea what to do with it. And uh, what I came to realize is nobody teaches us anything about money unless our parents know something. And for most of us, our parents don't know any more than we do. And uh, to me, this is a huge, huge problem in our society. Uh, financial literacy is a passion of mine. And uh, actually, I was talking to Serge earlier, and we, we, we had the same scripture in our mind. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed by lack of knowledge. If you don't know the rules of the money game, guess what happens to so many Canadians? Destroyed. Right? So... That's how I got involved. Yeah, cool. So great to have you here. It's 20 so years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Dan. Yeah, you, I guess you have to share down there. But yeah. Just, yeah, a little bit about who you hey are. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Daniel. Um, I was born and raised in Toronto. My uh, family's actually from Trinidad. Any Trinis in the room? Oh, a couple, you see. Yeah, I know. Um, they came to Canada in 66. Uh, so I was born and raised in Toronto. Uh, I have an older brother, younger sister. Uh, and uh, I went to Laurier, studied business there. And then after school, uh, I got my first job at Manual Life uh, Financial. Uh, that's where my mom worked for 30 years before she retired. Um, and then uh, I thought it wasn't, it wasn't really for me. Uh, uh, so I was looking around, and I actually uh, found an opportunity to teach English in Japan, which I went with my best friend. We stayed there for two years. Um, coming back after two years, I was broke. I had blonde hair. I had earrings. Blonde hair! I had a nice tan. Is that in the PowerPoint? No, it's oh. not. <laughs> but I do have some pictures that I hold on to just to see that. That may end up on the social then. feeds for church. I know, like I know, right? Um, and then uh, I've been with uh, World Financial Group uh, for the last 17 years. I met uh, uh, Sarah and uh, she, her family's from here. And so we moved here two years ago. And that's when I found Corrine, and uh, we're actually with the same company, but I decided to partner up, or she decided to partner up with me, and uh, we've been working together ever since. So, so great. Um, and the, yeah, and the reason uh, I've been in financial services is because my mom worked in, in the financial services industry for a long time, but she was never taught some of these things that uh, when I found out about, uh, even uh, my brother, who has an MBA in finance, didn't know about some of these concepts as well. So I just thought it as a huge opportunity to help um, families out there. And I wish someone had reached out to my uh, family when they first came here uh, because I think they would be in a much different place than they are right now. They're okay, um, but I just, I, just knowing what we know today, there's just a lot of things, 
little tips and concepts and things they could have been doing. Not huge different things, but uh, things that we don't really get taught in our school system and uh, usually their parents didn't teach our parents and so, uh, hence uh, they didn't teach us. Yeah, so. and that's the common theme a little bit. Yeah, yeah one, so, oh, and by the way, uh, Sarah's working this morning, but Dan and Sarah, great part of the church, and uh, how old is Eliana now? Just, a, uh, just almost 18 months. Yeah, 18 months, so just a uh, beautiful family. So the common theme is, is a lot of times things aren't passed on, and that's why we wanted to do this. So just like the creation and evolution talk, you can say, hey, join us Wednesday night at room 104B, and like three nerds show up, right, about this. We wanted to do it with everybody. The same kind of thing with this. I actually feel like this, what we're gonna, these guys are going to lead us through, and, and just even the little nuggets of knowledge are going to be, be helpful uh, for us as an in, entire community. I know you've alluded to this a little bit in some of what you've been sharing, but uh, you know, with Nate at Scotia and now you guys in your company at, at World Finance. Um, I know you've shared a little bit, but maybe even deeper, why are you involved with planning and helping families? I know you shared, like, people don't know. Is there any other specific reasons why you've entered into kind of this life of helping families? Um, I think that one of the things that always sticks out to me is the fact that um, with just the right information, um, there's, there's obviously exceptions out there, but almost everybody um, can be in a drastically different position if they only knew. And that kind of is saying the same thing. It's a, it's a lack of knowledge, but uh, it surprises me how much so little can be taken so far when planned properly, when you have the right mindset, the right concepts about not spending too much and that kind of thing. So that's the part that stands out to me. Cool. Cool. <clears throat> I wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I really wanted to do. We got a few here. So I was all about justice for women and kids because I, I found out at about nine years old that there's a thing called domestic violence, which I was raised in, a, in, the, most non, in the most Christian, non-Christian home. I was not raised as a Christian, um, but I was raised in an amazing home, and I didn't realize there was so much injustice in this world, and so my little nine-year-old heart was all about justice for women and kids. And uh, in grade 12, I was told, nope, you... You, you, are, you are way too soft to be in this position whatsoever. And um, when I found WFG, I found a place where justice could prevail again, but I could fight for women and children and the men. Because it's, it, there's, there's so many... Here, I'll tell you what a 16-year-old said to me in, uh, in one of my first classes that I did at a high school. He said, the people that we go to to learn about money and, and trust with our money are the ones that take the most advantage over the fact we know nothing. And so this, this is my real, this is the root of why I do what I do. It's about justice. Um, I believe every single one of us deserves to know what we can. So exactly as Nate said, those little tiny things, little things are big things. And what we don't know will hurt us. Like, that's a fact. And so it's, it's why I do what I do. It's why I've been here for 20 years. It's why my passion is teaching. And um, yeah, we're advisors also. We, we actually do do all that too. But the education piece is what really, I, I think speaking for both of us, that's really what... Um, what drives us. Sure yeah, question. 100%. That's so good. For me, I was going to be a cop, and then my brother told me to watch a movie called Training Day. Have you guys seen that? <laughs> With Denzel Washington. I said, okay, forget it. I'm not doing that anymore. Uh, and then, uh, but for me, I think I just wanted to find a company that could portray some of the values that I'm leading in everyday life, and that's what I feel uh, at World Financial Group we're able to do. You cool. know? And so, uh, I know this industry is broken. I know a lot of people have like not good experiences with it, and uh, we just want to uh, stand for yeah, like Korean said, an education and awareness and planning and, and just helping people. Amazing, 
Let's talk about the nitty gritty um, and maybe give you each the floor for a few minutes just around the nuts and bolts practical stuff. Uh, I've just asked these guys to share, like what are some things you could, I, we only have a certain amount of time, but what are some things that you could share with folk uh, in our community just that are practical? I think of things like uh, savings over time. Uh, I even said to you guys, what should people be doing in the moment to help for the future? Things like that. Maybe we'll talk about that and then talk about debt after, but um, just some things you could help uh, just around the idea of, you know, living, we live here in the moment, but also uh, looking ahead to the future. I think of uh, the, the age of our community and the opportunity to glean some things from you guys. So go for it. I'll give you the floor, Nate, if you want first. And yeah, just share some things that you think would be helpful. Yeah. So um, I think that looking at the problem you mentioned about, uh, you know, for every dollar earned is a dollar fifty spent. Um, I think that right there is the piece of information that should be just flipped. And that's kind of the most basic info that I usually give. So um, it's a common saying, but I think I always say if there's only one sentence that could be mentioned with it that includes advice, it would be um, live within your means. Con common sense, but not easy to do. Um, I think a practical, simple way to do so, and this is a common thing again, is, is kind of having some automatic savings being saved. So you're automatically, no matter what, spending less than you make because some of that's being saved. Uh, of course, assuming you're not overspending on a credit side, which brings to the debt question, but I think just kind of day by day living by that, living within your means, pretty much just doing that, you'll probably be fine. Uh, and it's sometimes, I mean, it's so simple to say, and there's more to it, but like, that's, that's my opinion that, yeah, if you live within your means, you're going to be okay. Saving automatically kind of helps make that happen. Cool. Do you want to also talk, um, before these guys as well, uh, just about uh, some of the compact, like looking ahead, I know you had given that that photo, do you want to show that image yeah. just, to, just to help us? And I know you've probably seen things like this before, but help explain and lead us to just even the idea of putting away so that, you know, the second half of life, we could be people that live generously because of what we've done in these, these years. Yeah, 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 these years of working. Yeah. yeah. So, so a common, you know, math class situation is looking at compound interest, the power of time. I think this is a cool illustration to show that. So people commonly say, um, well, I'll save one day. Once I get out of debt, I'll save, or uh, I'm going to save, you know, once I make more money. Or oftentimes we're just putting it off and we should be kind of saving now, if, you know, if it makes sense. This is a really cool illustration, I think, that shows that one guy, Ben, Ben and Arthur, Ben saves 2,000 bucks a year from age 19 to age 26, and that's it. He doesn't save anything more for the rest of his life. He ends up with $2.2 million, uh, and then Arthur doesn't save anything until 27, and then saves till he's 44, or 64, that's it, 64, and he ends up with $700,000 less, even though he ended up saving so much more of his money. So that's just the, a really cool picture of the power of compound interest over time, so just to bring the importance of saving sooner. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, for some of us, miss, you know, we're Bible people and, you know, obviously we love walking through the scriptures, but I think just a practical tool like this, uh, I know for me too, the, the kind of, there's an illumination there when you look at something like that to see uh, what could be, right? So interesting. Yeah. Nuts and bolts stuff. Uh, stuff that you guys help families with. Um, I love yeah. that. We use that exact same. We call it Mr. Start Early and Mr. Wait Longer. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. brilliant. It's so great. Um, because we, we, most people that I, that I come across are, do have debt, Canadians have debt, and we think that we have to take care of that before we can save, just as, just as Nate suggested. And um, I don't know, how many Canadians do you think get out of debt before 30 years are up? 
So if we wait 30 years to start saving, we are in some serious trouble, right? right? right. And I, I also want to, um, Dan knows what I'm gonna say because this makes my hair on fire. <laughs> How many of you were taught to save by your parents? Yeah, absolutely. Um, how many of us were, are, are, you know, we see images and we're constantly hearing messages about saving for retirement? Yes? What are you making in your savings account right now? So unless you're financially independent today, my advice is stop saving and stop invest and start investing. Because if you're not investing for retirement, um, you can compound 0.5% all you like. But if you understand the rule of 72, it's gonna take you a very long time to have any money, right? So the rule of 72 says that if you take the interest rate you're making on your, on your money and you divide it into the magic number 72, Einstein's theory, it'll tell you how long it takes your money to double. So if you're making even 1% on your savings account, where your RSPs are, how long is it gonna take your money to double? 72 years. That's right. And like you're the youngest of the three of us, how many 72 year periods do you have, Nate? Not enough, that is the right <laughs> answer. So honestly, we really have to be, like we understand as Christians, we understand the power of words. Is that true? Mm -hmm. Right, the wor words are so powerful. So if we're constantly talking about saving for retirement, we are not gonna make it. We're not gonna be financially successful making it. We must invest, which means we need to understand how to invest for who? For ourselves, right? Because who has a more vested interest in our money than you, right? So that, that's why we're so passionate about this stuff. But people need to understand, and there are, there are places to go. Heck, there's this wonderful store called Chapters. How many books on finance and investing are in that store, right? Tons of them. Who has time to go read them and glean any kind of information out of them? Few of you. But for most people, we're too busy chasing kids and running our lives to, to take the time to learn those things. So it's really imperative to find people that you trust to understand this stuff because again, the small things make a big difference. So being educated on, on investing is extremely, extremely important. And uh, sorry, I go off on a tangent on no, that. No, no, Disney, I, before uh, Dan sorry, goes. Yeah, 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 I just wanna add to that, if that's okay. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Um, I, I think that's, that's a great point. The, the, the being invested is a huge piece of that. One thing that too that stands out to me, Matthew 25, I think verse 14 to 30, uh, it mentions the story about the, the three guys and the talents. Uh, that's a cool picture that shows, you don't really realize it, but that's kind of, that's Jesus saying, hey, make sure your money's invested in a good way. You're actually earning something from it, not just bring it to the ground in a savings account earning 0.5%, because that won't get you anywhere. So I think it's cool to translate that in today's world with investing and stuff. For sure. I, I, you know, there's 2,000 references to money in the Bible, and so I think uh, it, it just makes sense to know what some of them are, and, and that's the, the one that we, we point to a lot. Um, I think, you know, when I was living in Toronto, I, I just felt it was, you know, I, I was like, how come everybody has all of these fancy cars and big houses and everything else, okay? And then when you start to sit down with people, you start to see that they're using their home like a modern-day ATM machine. So it goes up in value, and they take money out, and then they go buy the fancy car with it. And so I, I started to realize, I go, okay, well... I know in life, you know, you're not, not supposed to compare, but everybody's comparing to each other, and it just becomes this big comparison game. So actually, I loved moving here because I felt that it, I, I could get away from that. And sometimes it, it's just this battle in your mind that, hey, you want to keep up with the Joneses. You want to have that big house too. You want to have that, drive that nice car as well. Um, so 
I, you know, I, I talk, I, it's one thing to, to make money, it's another thing to keep it, it's another thing to save it, but it's another thing to learn how to invest it. And so we want to teach people that. That's one of, that's one of our be uh, beliefs as well, um, in, including eliminating debt and, and protecting your family properly. So those are our three beliefs uh, w with our firm that we uh, talk to people about. One uh, practical thing, uh, check out PC Financial. Um, I learned about it when I came back from Japan. My parents had had that uh, account, or my sister had found it, and they really don't charge you um, fees for, for taking money out of your uh, account. You can use any CIBC machine in, in the city for free. Um, and so uh, e-transfers are free. There's a lot of free things there. You don't want to pay, like whenever someone tells me, oh, I pay $25 a month for my, um, my uh, certain bank account, which I won't name any names, but uh, some green companies and stuff out there, right? And so um, I go, why are you paying for something where you can get it for free with someone else, you know? And then you have to keep minimums in the account and all this kind of stuff. And um, so that's one of the things. And another uh, practical thing is, um, have you guys heard of Milo before? Milo, I just found out about it, and it's kind of like an electronic change jar, okay? So you buy something for 9.80, and they take that 20 cents, and they put it aside for you. They take it out of your account, and they add it up, and they put it out aside for you. And, I, and then I told Sarah about it, and she was like, oh, that's so gimmicky. I said, hey, you know what? Yes, how much have in my electronic change jar? She said, I said, I have $1,000 ready. She goes, can I borrow some of that? I go, no, you can't. Okay, that's my electronic change jar, okay? You know, everybody has one of those ones at home, we're, right? We're well, talking about marriage next yeah, week. Okay, so all good. right, there you go. That's, that's good. I, I have one more comment. Yeah, on that. no, yeah. And uh, it goes back to exactly what Nate was talking about, is putting money away every month. For a lot of people, again, investing is, a, is like a huge topic, right? And, and there's the, the number one problem I, I, well, I think all three of us probably see with people investing is fear. Are, are, are we all pretty emotionally attached to our money? 100%, right? We work hard for it. So to invest it into something we don't understand causes a lot of fear because we're worried about what? Loss, right? And so if you're putting money away every single month, do you know that can take all of the fear out of your investing? Because when the markets are up, you're happy. When the markets are ha down, you're even happier. It's a little concept called dollar cost averaging and uh, a gentleman that, that actually grew up just south of here wrote a book called The Wealthy Barber that talks about dollar cost averaging. He made a fortune on that book, but that book can help you earn a fortune too. So dollar cost averaging is a very cool concept that you definitely should check out. We don't have enough time for all oh, that. No, yeah, no, time goes quick. Um, so uh, the, the ability and the, the wisdom here to invest, um, could you maybe each, each quickly, or maybe one or two of you, it, it depends. Um, uh, what would be step one? Because I would imagine there's um, folk uh, that haven't entered that world yet. So what, what, is, the, what is step one? Because I think people hear and go, yeah, like the saving to investing, um, I'm, I'm earning on the investment over time, like with what Nate saw. But how do, how do I get there? You know, the very practical nitty gritty. Yeah, I can start with that. So I asked my mom in her, her retirement years, I go, so what do you want to do? She goes, I don't know. I said, Mom, you've been retired for 11 years now. Like, you have to have come up with something. She goes, no. <laughs> I said, Mom, what about goals? Do you have any goals? Do you have any goals and dreams? She goes, no. <laughs> I said, okay, Mom. So I realized that you know, our parents didn't really pass that on to us either, about goal setting and, and just planning for the future, dreaming, and that sort of thing. So I think that's the first place I, I start with people. I just goes, hey, what are some of your goals? Like everybody's goals are different. 
right? And so you don't have to have the same goal as the person beside you. But the, the cool part of, about life is you can have whatever goal you want. But now, okay, well, let's reverse engineer and let's work backwards then. So this is the end result you want. Okay, well, let's chunk it back all the way right up into today. So what do you need to start doing today in order to get this goal down the road? I think what he really means is sit down with somebody who knows what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like step one, like, yeah. you know, uh, I, I love the analogy of saving to investing. I also think, um, even for myself, who's not good with this stuff and has married somebody who's, I have been able just to pass on and she does a great job with it. For some of us, we may just sit and go, like, how do I even get there as far as taking step one to investing? So, so yeah, starting from, from the back side is a great, great way to go. Just to kind of go in a different direction. Um, and this is a, this is an opinion based. It'd be interesting to hear what you guys think about this. But I've always thought that it's really important to have uh, an emergency fund. That's oh, yeah. something talked about. Um, basically, just so that if something happens, you have some money that you can fall back on. So then you're more able to live freely. And they, so one interesting point is that you, the verse you mentioned earlier is people often will say, well, I don't want to store up money you know, like, you know yeah. it'd be stolen, whatever. That's obviously, like you said, more, more situational, more context, yeah, right? Yeah, so sure. it is still important to have an emergency fund. It's still a practical, simple thing to do. One thing, too, talking about risk of investing, I think it's having an emergency fund puts you in a better spot to take a bit more risk uh, because if something crazy happened in the market and you needed access to some money because you lost your job or something, you have some money you can pull from without touching the money that's now down. So you can wait it out and dollar cost average still. Um, because you're accessing this other money instead. So that's a kind of, for me, step yeah. one, basic emergency fund, then you're ready to yeah. go investing. Yeah. 100%. We have the exact same opinion. Emergency fund first, then invest. So wise, yeah. so wise. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about a few things. You know, with the time that we have remaining, let's talk about debt a little bit. Um, uh, and we've already shared about some of the numbers, you know, with consumer debt and whatnot. Is there anything that you could, I mean, it's just easy to say, we'll get out of debt, but like, is there anything that you guys could share with, uh, you know, those that would love to eliminate and, and take away some of that compounded debt over time? Is there anything that uh, you could share with us that would help be helpful? Yeah. Go for it. Sure. Yeah. A um, handful of you in this room um, we know Dave Ramsey, maybe all of you, I don't know. Um, we did a class last year. Um, I think he has one of the best strategies um, for at least one part of paying off debt. Uh, he calls it the debt snowball. And basically the whole idea is, um, you know, budgeting is a part of it, but making sure that basically you organize your debt smallest to largest. Um, and you focus as much with as much intensity as you can to pay off the smallest one first, making minimum payments on the rest. And then when that one's paid off, you then have more money to for the next one. So that, that has the snowball effect where each one that's paid off, now there's less minimum payments to cover and you can kind of, you get, you feel that there's the uh, emotional side of the motivational side of the fact that okay, I've, I've eliminated one, now it's okay, next one, I'm, again, I'm making ground, I'm, I'm doing this. So um, I think that's a, a, a really good the debt snowball, a really practical way to pay off debt. Cool. I have a slide. Nice. Oh, nice. <laughs> you brought a and, slide. And, and, and just for those of you, it, it just, to, just to help really make that very clear, the idea of paying off the smallest one first, I think of it in this way. The older I get, the more difficult it is to keep the weight off. But if I can lose one pound, I'm motivated to lose another, <laughs> right? And so this is kind of the same concept of getting rid of that little one so, you, so, you, so yes, you can check it off, I did it. So 
I, I, if you can see this slide right here, it just kind of gives you an idea of, you know, a very typical type of family's got a bunch of, bunch of debt, and it's going to take them uh, about 29 years to pay it all off, including their house. So you can see in total they owe 472,000 bucks. They're currently spending 21.84 a month on all of their debt. And if we have an extra hundred dollars that we can start putting away our smallest debt, if you can go to the next one, you see how it works? Exactly what Nate said. So you take your hundred bucks, you pay off that first little one first. Now you have $110 to put against the next one. And you just keep chipping away at each one of those. And if you'll go to the third one for me there, Kevin, you can see that that 29 years just became 12. You just took 29 years of debt and with an extra $100 a month, you paid it off in 12 years. Is that crazy? It blows people's minds when they see that. But it takes a couple of things. It takes commitment and it takes determination. So we're not talking about you know, living in financial handcuffs the rest of your life. We're trying to get people out of financial handcuffs. Does that make sense? Right, so that you, you know, get out of debt and live. Can you imagine, imagine now, imagine living debt free. Is that the prettiest picture ever? <laughs> right, it's beautiful. So, yeah. Cool. Anything you wanna to add to that? Uh, no, I think you, you guys hit it right, right on the, uh, the nail on the head. Um, I, I think just try, you know, you know what I realized, you know, home ownership and, and th things will always come up, you know, like a new furnace, a new roof and all, all this kind of stuff. And sometimes, you know, I, I would ask myself, how do people actually do it when, you know, sometimes there's one income or uh, limited income there? Um, I think it's, you still want to have fun too. So you want to make sure you have your, your fun account. But that's where you have to start to be creative and saying, and start to say no. I think... Um, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of us, and I remember I used to do this too, you know, something called the retail therapy. When you're feeling down, you can go buy something, okay? So I think sometimes people, we get caught in that trap, and I think we just have to draw the line in the sand at some point. Um, and that's the whole thing about taking money out of the account and putting it somewhere else. Because if it's out of sight, it's out of the mind. And, um, you know, that goes for, you can do that with debt too. So there's a lot of bank accounts nowadays to say, okay, I have this credit card over here. Why don't I just put $50 from every time I get paid and, and let it go towards it? And you won't even notice, you'll notice it the first couple months, but then afterwards, and, you, and then you look back and you see that the debt's actually been reduced significantly. Uh, and then it just becomes more fun. It becomes like contagious. You want to you knock the rest of it. Yeah, and it becomes a game that you can start knocking it off. Yeah. Cool. So helpful, I think, just with the snowball idea that I think would be helpful for some of us. And, and again, just like um, the compound interest visual, I think some of those visuals help us you know, see just how it, it is possible. It is possible. Sometimes I think it's easy to get into situations where maybe people feel like it is impossible. But I know from talking to all three of you that you've walked with families and people that have seen the impossible, like see almost impossible, what people felt like were almost impossible things happen, which is amazing. Uh, sometimes questions come up about, uh, and I don't know if we, if there's an itch for this, but uh, around wills, mortgages, and estates. Do you guys have anything? I know that's like, well, yeah. yeah anybody else got another hour? I'm just, don't worry. You're all right. We're not going to be that much longer. Leave it to the pastor to group those three together. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're here. Uh, anything on, on that? Like, you're like, no. <laughs> have a will. Okay. 100% <laughs> have a will. Um, we were, my gosh, we had four little people at home. We were traveling in the middle of winter in northern Alberta. 
And it's like, I just had this epiphany. Holy moly, we don't have a will. If we die on the highway, our twins will get split up. What will happen yeah. to their birthday? Blah, blah. I was in a panic. Have a will. And there are places you can go to get a will so simply now. It, I mean, we spent way too much money back then, but it was the only way we could. Today, you can get a will for next to nothing. So definitely, definitely have a will. And um, if you don't have some kind of an estate plan, the government has one for you. Did you hear that? That's, can you, actually, can you, or and maybe Dan or whoever, just, just allude on that a bit, like. It's terrifying. Yeah. If you don't trust the government to take care of you right now, do you trust them to take care of your family when you're gone? No. Yeah. I'm in church, so I can't say what I really want to say. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, honestly, though, seriously, um, if you don't have an estate plan because you don't feel like you need one because you don't think you have enough to even warrant an estate, you're not understanding. You need to find out why and how. And we'll, we can talk later, you know, afterwards mm -hmm. about that because we do have limited time. Yeah. But when we don't have an estate in plan, literally the government becomes our executor and they decide where everything goes and I mean, oftentimes if there's family members, your children will go to family members, but there's no guarantees. We don't know who the judge of the day is or what the court decides that day. And I, I just firmly believe in being in control of my money and most importantly of my family. And so, you know, we, we went home that particular weekend and we immediately got a will so that we knew exactly who's gonna be taking care of our children. It was not my brother. <laughs> you know, like you, you wanna know that the same, that the people that are gonna take care of the, those most important to you will be people that you trust to raise them in the same values. Sure. And that if you do have some money that it's going where you want it to go. Um, without estate plans, uh, we tend to leave about half of our money to the government in taxation. And again, you know, I, I'll tell you, this is what happened to me. Is my second year of business and we have one of our product partners sitting in our, I actually think it was a guy from Canada Life, actually, who's in doing some training with us and he said, if you have more than two children in this country and you don't have an estate plan, the government will get more money than your kids. So I'm like, oh my gosh, absolutely not. <laughs> so we need to understand and figure out how to work, how to get an estate in place for ourselves. And it's not complicated. It's not complicated. Yeah. This is the challenge. We, we are taught that all these financial things are so complicated, and I'm telling you right now, unless you have millions, it does not need to be complicated. Yeah. It does not. If you have a plan, peace. Yeah. You have peace, yeah. right? Um, adding to that, I think that um, the one thing to, to be clear is the fact that you're never too young for a will. Yes. Um, certainly, it's more important when kids are involved, but even before kids, it's still, it's still a thing. It's still important. Um, I, I'll say that it's actually been on our to-do to list. I'm embarrassed. I would have loved to say, oh, we've got one, but it's, it's, it's on our list. So thanks for, for the encouragement to, to yeah, get that done. For sure. For sure. Uh, we train on a book called The Ten Secrets Revenue Canada Doesn't Want You to Know by David Voth. Okay? And so um, he talks about uh, how we're, we're in one of the highest tax countries in the world, yet uh, it's, you know, we have to do some planning around it. I'll give you an example. My, my parents have a small cottage uh, an hour north of Toronto. Uh, they bought it in the, the 70s, and I did some calculations when I got into the business many years ago that if something had happened to them, uh, you guys know that the first, the principal residence is not taxed um, uh, when it's passed on. Uh, but if you have a second place, it is taxed. It's taxed like capital gains. And so uh, we would have had to have come up with about $30,000 just to pay the tax position if something had happened to them while we were in high school. And if you don't have it, the government says, well, you know what, sell things, including the cottage, so that you can pay us our tax money. And so there has to be a uh, little bit of planning uh, around that. And 
Um, and I, I think it's, it's, it's just really uh, important um, to, to have that as, as part of your plan. And, and you, you talk about mortgages. You know the, the, mortgage, the word mortgage is an old uh, Latin word for a death is mort, and the, the last part is cage, okay? So you're actually getting a death cage. And so, um, <laughs> I, I don't know, I don't, I don't, must, people must have sat around the table a long time ago and say, hey, well, what are you gonna call this big debt we're gonna give to people? And so, I, I just found that so interesting. So good. This is, uh, this is good. Um, and you guys have been super generous, too, because I know this is unique. Um, so thanks for hanging in there. This has been great. Well, maybe the last thing we could talk about, and then I'd love to have you guys pray over a community. Um, we're kingdom people, so we're Jesus people. And there's lots of great things and strategies in the world to put into play. But we are these unique people. I'd love, because I know all of you are like this, you embody this with your lives. How do we live in the balance of the future, the compound things we see, getting rid of debt? How do we live in the balance of that and being people that are generous and just overflowing? Um, I think that would be really helpful for us because we are Jesus people and we live with a completely different sex ethic, money ethic, power ethic, all that we're talking about this, this uh, month. How do, we, how do we live this out? I'd love to hear just as we close from you guys. I'm a firm believer in tithing. I believe that we give and God gives even more generously. I really do. I, I was raised on that once I, be, once I became a believer because I didn't understand tithing at all. And like a lot of people, we, we wanted to run because the church that I came from, we talked about money all the time. Not 0.03%. No, no, yeah. all the time. And we had this amazing woman that would give us the most incredible messages around tithing so we could really grasp the blessing that God had for us if we would be faithful. And, and you know, it's, it's not easy when you first start. You're like, oh my gosh. But honestly, God is so faithful. And, you know, we, we have so many stories around, around how he has really blown our mind with his generosity over the years. And I was talking to Sarah about it on, um, on Friday evening. I don't know yeah, if you yeah. were there. Um, oh, my gosh. You want, to, you want to hear a message on tithing? You need to get Sarah up here. Yeah. That girl is passionate about tithing. Dan knows. <laughs> we need a conversation later. But, you know, if we will trust God with our money, my gosh, he will bless us. He will bless us. We will have money for the now and the later. I, I firmly 100% believe that with everything in me. It, it's funny you should, you're doing the, the tithing talk on, um, on Wednesday um, because Sarah taught me a couple of things. I thought I was tithing before, but Sarah taught me a couple of things about tithing. And I, I think the, the main reason, you guys know that tithing is not for the church or the institution you're giving for. It's really for you and what you get out of it. Um, we can talk about this for a long time, but part of the reason I do it is because I don't want money to have a hold or a power over me. I, I, it's, it's, we started this world with nothing, we're ending it with nothing. You know, and so I just, you, I give it, I, I try to give it freely, you know, in my time, um, through different charities, uh, through the kids we sponsor, and these types of things, um, and here too. And, and Sarah was like, well, you gotta give to the, uh, the ministry you're taking from. Because I used to, you know, long drives to Toronto, you're listening to Joel Osteen all the time, and I would send Joel Osteen stuff, and they sent me like a hundred things in the mail afterwards that <laughs> is asking for more. But I realized, you know, and Sarah was giving uh, diligently here since the, the beginning, and uh, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm taking from this ministry, and that's where I want to give. So it's really, it's really for us, and um, 
I, I think that, that that is so it doesn't have, uh, we don't start loving it. So we start giving, you give it away and it doesn't have that hold over you, I, I feel, yeah. I think another piece to add to that is um, um, the way the Bible says, you know, that tithe is your first fruits. Uh, and that's one, one kind of simple way to say, well, you know, I've, I've made money. With this money, the most important thing is that I give it. God puts giving on our heart. So I think that that's a good picture of the fact that that should be the first thing. And we talked about the automatic savings account thing in a similar way, but more so mentally, that that money, the first thing that money does is goes to, to the Lord, to being a gift, giving a gift, um, as well as the common visual um, of the hand. Uh, exactly what you're saying, Dan, where you want to make sure that your, your heart when it comes to money is that it doesn't have a hold on you, is a visual of the fact that your hand is open, uh, which oftentimes you end up receiving more as well, uh, versus being closed and not wanting to let go of it, which then also doesn't let anything in. So that's just a visual on, yeah. on that part. So good. And, uh, and I say this, uh, you three are some of the most generous, and I just mean all of life, just getting to know you. Um, generous, uh, generous people I know with your lives. And so we're just so thankful that you guys have taken a few minutes. Obviously with this kind of stuff, it just, what's the word? It scratches the itch. Um, maybe uh, you want to chat with some of these guys and, and you've heard something that you have questions, they are totally available. Talk to them, not me, all right? Because uh, they're great. You know, um, and I think they'd be a great help for you. And we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit like in the generosity, simplicity thing, just about our commitment as a church. And if you've been around, we're very committed to living simply, to live generously. We really have a heart for this. Thanks for be, you guys being generous and, and your time and attention and listening. All of us have different stories with this stuff. As with power and sex and money, there's all sorts of different uh, stories in this room. Um, and I just pray that we're a generous people and God would bring wholeness.